Greetings! Welcome back to the solo podcast Anime One at a Time, where I take a pause for the series I'm watching among the hustle and bustle of the shiny new anime of today, also exploring the undervalued and unknown. I'm the host, Lita, and this is episode 23! We're back, we're still in June, we're getting a second podcast episode out in June. That definitely makes me happy, uh, because I've definitely been wanting to sit down to talk about a certain show in this one but hey there hope you guys are doing well thanks for sticking around and uh also it's a uh, half a year already that's like gone um that's kind of been playing on my mind recently because i'm like i don't know how half a year has already just been and gone it's crazy. 2023 has definitely just sped itself off. It has. And uh, now we've got the like the next half of the year coming up. So <clears throat> I've been thinking about that recently, about definitely some of the series that I would like to discuss over the next half of the year. Also with the intention to get more podcasts out. Uh, also, definitely got a load of of series that obviously I would like to talk about but as you know how I work here I kind of go by how I feel and very much this episode we're going to be discussing a series that took me a while to get through and um, by the end of it I had finished it I hit a plateau where I was like I can't move on to another series really until I talk about this one even though I'm watching like a billion other things at the moment but as usual I always seem to give a little update about where my anime watching is going what's the jizz of everything going on with anime with me which I seem to you know talk about so as of this weekend going into next week we are entering into the summer season another seasonal anime season is right around the corner are we all prepared no (laughs) i haven't even finished um my spring shows at the moment i nearly have uh i so far have completed uh my love story with yamada at level 9.99 percent which is a fantastic uh rom-com you know about two nerds Obviously, it's more than that, but all you need to know is, like, you know, gaming, two gamer nerds come together. Well, the main female, she's not so much of a nerd, she's kind of starting out, and then we got a full-on, guy's a full-on introvert nerd. And it's, uh, it's many, many things, that um, particular show, and uh, it's like, if you want to continue the series, you actually have to go onto the app, Mangamo, um, to continue the story, but... It's having a special announcement at Anime Expo this weekend. Um, so hopefully we'll get a movie or a season two. I'm writing for a season two because this was very much a beloved um, series during the spring season. So I've got high hopes there. I'm also nearly completing Dr. Stone, the first core for the new world. I've really, really been enjoying that. I really do love Dr. Stone. It's become one of my favorite shonen next to Dragon Ball Z. 
And I hear that see the next core is coming out in October, which will be good. And I've been watching it in the dub because I really, really love the dub for Dr. Stone. Really solid voice actors in there to make up a strong team. Uh, somewhere in the middle of this season, I started um, uh, The Dangers in My Heart, which I think was a, a yeah romance, you know, teenage high schoolers series that went right under people's no uh, noses it did and it's it's gotten a little it's gotten a little attention but not as much as i think that i thought that i originally thought i would i'm currently on episode six and oh wow like there is something there's definitely something about this uh particular romance series set in you know high school setting that Stands out a little bit from other ones, like "Say I Love You," and um, that's all. That's all the only one that could come to mind at the moment. "Say I Love You." It's yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of intimate moments in there that just make it a little bit more, a little bit more special. And um, hopefully, when I complete it, uh, maybe I'll talk about it. And, uh, God, what else have I been watching? Oh dear, the brain is, she's having a moment, she is. Um, there was another show that I have been currently watching as well, but it's totally gone out of my head. And, um, I haven't even started half the spring ones, like Ancient Magus Prize Season 2, which I keep forgetting exists now, uh, the next season for... Or the next part of which, you know, um, which from Mercury, the Gundam, I've deliberately, I have blah, 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 deliberately not been, not started these shows because um, there's a time in July when I'm going to be uh, dog sitting for somebody and I want this time to be dedicated to those shows that I never got to. And another one is obviously Demon Slayer. I avoided that somehow. Um... And I don't think that's even half of uh, them anyway. Then we're moving on to July, which, you know, there's a there's a shit ton of shows coming out. Like, there is a shit ton of good stuff coming out this summer. Um, I don't know if my, my head's going to be all racked up. <laughs> it's going to be swimming in anime. And I'm not going to know which direction to want to watch things. But anyway, that's on the seasonal side. On the other side of things, side anime I've been watching. Oh my god. Let's not talk about that. Let's not even mention that because I've been watching a shit ton on the go. Um, I'm still continuing um, the Galactic Heroes over on High Dive. That, <clears throat> that series that has so many, so many seasons. Originally started in the 90s, 80s, no 90s, and still continuing on. And it's, a, it's, it's a, over 100 episodes. So, so far we're nearly up to episode 10. So that's going to be, this is going to be a slow burn one. This is going to be a slow one because there's a lot of political stuff going on in it. Going on in it and I want to make sure that I'm like fully paying attention. Um, I've nearly finished Fancy La La, which... I know I said I would talk about it on the podcast, but it's like, mm, I feel like there's only so much to say about that series, but doesn't matter. 
even if it ends up being like a short podcast, um, La Fancy Lala is still worth a mention. It's been nice watching something definitely older and like the Galactic Heroes. Um, I've been watching uh, Eminence of Shadow, which is a, it's an odd show in the way it's presenting itself. Um, it's very interesting though. Um, I haven't turned it off yet. I haven't. Um, and I'm watching this isekai, which is the jobless incarnation one. Over 40 year old is reincarnated into a magical world. Medieval feel, um, into a, well, baby, yeah, baby's body. And there's like, the world has, you know, magic and shit. Um, I'm really enjoying that. That is, um, not what I expected. Uh, I'm, I think the show is going to tempt me to actually finally watch, um, uh, what is that one that's so famous? The one about, he goes back in time and dies over, uh, ReZero. That's it. ReZero. I think, I I think it's going to attempt, it's going to tempt me to want to actually watch that show now after all these years. Um, I'm trying to dabble into the isekai anime side of things a bit more, um, cause I've only kind of dibbled in and out. I have. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's where I'd say a lot of my watching's at. I mean, of course, I'm watching a lot more than I'm saying. But, uh, if you're really interested in seeing what I'm actually watching, I'll leave my Annie List link, um, down in this description for this episode, I will, if you're interested. Um, because I do like tracking when I'm watching. I don't know. I never used to. I never used to. I used to use my Anime List years ago to track what I was watching, but then I just didn't like the format. So then I transferred over to Annie List and I've been with it ever since. It's just easier. I like the format of that site. I mean, there's a, there's a million sites you can track your anime to watch. It's just it, when you're an adult in the working world and such, when you get to that point in life, it's very good on hand to have something that could keep you on track of <clears throat> where you're at. But even though, you know, when you go on Crunchyroll and they'll say the next episode you're going to be on. Still, I still need that reassurance like, hey, I'm sh- hopefully Crunchyroll is not malfunctioned and it's telling me the wrong episode I started at. But yeah, it's just become a real habit it has. Like I can't, after I watch an episode, I've got to fill it in on my app so I know, I know I've done it. I don't know. And also it helps me on you know, like writing blog posts and shit like about certain series, like I can just scroll through and that's helpful. So it has its uses of tracking anime, but definitely not a thing for everybody. It's not. So now that, you know, we already passed, ooh, 10 minute bark of me rambling. Moving on to the main event for this episode, which I don't know how long we're going to be talking here because... This episode length was decent, but yeah, not as long as, I'm trying to think, what's the longest running anime I talked about? Oh yes, uh, Blood Plus. That was certainly a doozy to get through. Oh, my throat. All right. So I've got a older show this time and I believe last time I talked about an oldish series as well which was Prezier uh one of my favorite magical girl series oh it's thrilling to talk about that last season uh, last episode 
not last season, last episode. Oh dear, that's from me talking about seasonal anime too much. So, this is going to be an interesting one, this will be. And um, I've really had to brush up on my research for this a bit, just so I, you know, don't get all the facts wrong. Because, um, yeah, so there was quite a bit of, quite a bit of research to do for myself for this because yeah I like to know what I'm talking about obviously but yeah this show had a lot of elements to it and it's one that you really got to pay attention to so this series came out in 2007 it is by Production IG which I love Production IG one of my favorite series by them is Gargantia on the Verdurous Planet fantastic animation they do have some good animation. And this is a historical fantasy samurai. Hmm. Now, oh, wait, no, I'll, I'll say that bit in a minute. Um, <laughs> um, now, this is 26 episodes. 26? <gasps> no, at least it's not One Piece over a thousand episodes. Um, and this was directed by Kenji Kamiyama, which... Some people may know, I instantly knew so as soon as I saw his name, he directed um, Eden of the East, which is one of my favorite um, series. Obviously, Ghost in a Shell, he's very well known for. Uh, 009, Reborg Cyborg, um, which I love the the direction that he did for that movie. I had that on Blu-ray, really good. And um, this series he did was a definitely a different direction for him. And that is Moribito, Guardian of the Spirit. So, this, I had no idea walking into this one. I knew nothing about it. And it had been on my list. I feel like I say this for every <laughs> episode. It's been on my list for yonks, like years and years. And I was nearly tempted to go buy it but I thought ah oh, let's see if it's on the streaming services because a while back I I said last month in May I was going to use my high dive account um to to watch all the series I wanted to watch on then get rid of it well that didn't happen we're at the end of June I still have high dive because obviously it still has its purpose for me watching guardians of I mean uh, galactic heroes blah blah and Moribito was on there so I was like well this is convenient so yeah uh, it's been a bit of a slow burn to watch I've been watching it in kind of like two single two single episode sessions and then it got to a point in the series where I just binged the other half of it and wow this is all right off the bat this this series is pretty amazing it is um pretty amazing to me in like you know what I got out of it, obviously, and what I think other people will get out of it and what audience this would really, you know, go towards or, you know, what kind of audience it would entice people. And um, what enticed me about this was um, the samurai side of things because I, like I've spoken before, I have a massive uh, inkling guilt trip for watching anything vampire series. Um and this is the same about samurai. I really love samurai anime, and obviously, Ruoni Kenshin is the cause of that. 
Um, and I love other series like uh, Samurai uh, X, Samurai Deeper Kyo, and Samurai um, Seven. All these samurai shows. So anything samurai, I'm gonna watch it. Um, and I got really interested, uh, driven to this series, and yeah, wow. Like, I feel like there's a. It's gonna be a bit to dissect here, but. I'm going to do my best I am. Just before getting to anything, uh, Moribito is actually, I know this is based on the manga, but it's actually based on a novel which was written in 1996. Or 1996. <clears throat> by Nakayao, uh, I'm not going to pronounce her surname. This was her first novel. And this, this, this story has won quite a few awards. Quite a few. Um, even the Hans Christian Andersen Award. That was in 2014, that was. For this work and another work. So, and it makes up about 10 parts, which has been equated into 13 novels. And yeah, nice to say that it's not based on just a, a light novel or a, a manga adaptation, it's an actual novel. So, um, which is nice to say for a change so so the story is set in an eastern asian setting where we have a chinese um influence obviously this is a fictional fictional world this is set in and it's taken from different eastern um eastern asian cultures to inspire the whole the whole world setting, the world building. And we meet a bodyguard named Balsa. She comes from a a kind of Himalayan China mountains colony um, known as Kambal, which is like a very small nation. And Balsa ends up having this one mission in life where she wants to save eight eight souls as part of an atonement of sorts, which I'm not going to get into of the reasons why, but she is about to add her eighth soul that to be saved onto her list when she is hired by um, a prestigious family of the Yolgo Imperial family which is by the second queen. She is hired by the second queen to protect her second, the second prince named Chagam, who, who has been sentenced to death by the, uh, her, his, his own father, the emperor. By the way, he was a dick. <laughs> Just saying. I've got frustrations there, but so the reason Chagam has been sent condemned, what well, really has been condemned to death is, Chagam has a water spirit inside of him, or an egg that will hatch into a water spirit. And this has been foreseen by the star readers that um, come out with future predictions and outcomes that are going to compass. Very, this the historians they are to me, anyway. And the star readers predict that Chagam, when this egg hatches, is going to bestow ill will and condemned land and um 
So Chargum is put going to be put to death. So Balsa comes into the picture and is hired to protect um, Chargum by the second queen. And this goes in line with uh, one of Balsa's, you know, main mission in life to save eight souls and Chargum ends up becoming the eighth soul. But also she has to do it with like a, we've got a Rurouni Kenshin thing going on here where she doesn't want to take a soul. She won't take a life. She won't during this time. So then that's when the story starts where off she goes with this prince who has never known the outside walls into common life. And it's kind of the basis of the synopsis where things begin to go. And now to call this series like a journey, it is a journey, but this series is so much more than that. It is. And the best description of how I would put this whole series is, it's a storyteller of stories. And what I mean by that is that, um, the main, the main storyline, you know, it's not oh it's it's um it's not overly strong it's not there's a few there's quite a you know it's a there's a few storylines like this one for ugh, many many kind of you know along the lines of fantasy stories out there it's, this to me sounds like you know like a you know typical asian setting in a YA young adult fantasy novel it does but it's been made I think into so much more than that with adding the supernatural element to it, which I think just makes it stand out a bit more. And I, and when I, when I read like normal novels, I don't just read manga and watch anime over here. <laughs> I do actually read novels. Um, I do, I gravitate towards, you know, the, the YA, the young adult new novels that sound like this, that sound like this story of like that Moribito is saying. Um, but actually we get to see it actually in a anime adaptation because I don't think I've watched a series before where I've gone, oh wow, this sounds like a YA, a young adult novel that I would, uh, that I have read previously, similar ones that sound like it, but we actually get to see it, you know, ad ad you know, it actually has an adaptation. So to me, that's kind of a big deal, especially this is a very award-winning series and when this was released it was only released in japan and when this series got released over overseas uh they didn't it had such a big succession over there because it was released on um adult adult swim you know late at night you know when it's like midnight 2 30 in the morning i would be awake i would be watching and murray beto just it was received very very well it was and um, that was a, such a surprise to director Kenji Kamayama. I was watching a interview that High Dive did um, describe that was about the work Moribito, and he was saying in there that how surprised he was that Moribito was such a well received series, especially um, among adults and young adults as well. And it is like it's for it's it's. It's an ideal show for young adults and adults, it is. 
no matter what you get out of this series. And I mean, I got a lot out of this series I did because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that go on there is. So going back to, this is storyteller of stories, like each character in this series has their own story to tell about themselves. And we have, we this is, I definitely would say, very character driven series, especially with our main group which is um, Balsa, Tananda, and Chagam. These these characters have such great depth, as in, like, backstory and personality. And also, you know, they tell it, they do tell their own, from their own surrounding, from their own surroundings, you see their own story about this person, about, yeah, about each of them. And that was one of the things that really first drove me to the series. Oh, it's like, it's just been forever since the series made me go, wow, there is, there's some real depth here, like with everything. I wouldn't say there's like massive depth with the story. It was depth of the characters. Um, the story just helped it along, bring out, let the characters fl- flourish. It did. The story let it, let the characters flourish throughout the whole procession of events that occurred with Balsa protecting Chagum because everybody gets entwined in this and and obviously other other highlights about all the other characters come to light and like the story con you know the story conjures up you know we learn about Balsa's backstory which I was worried wouldn't be explored but it was and Chagum getting to adjust to, you know, living this new, living this new life that he's living in, com- you know, commoner, commoner land, but, and also about, like, the sideline characters, like young um, Sayu and Toya, who help Bolsa, they're just kids, but they've got they've got a lot of maturity on their on their shoulders they do they help out balsa a lot they do so there's a lot of stories to tell about our characters there are and also there's a lot of you know religious philosophy <clears throat> going on in here you know we learn about the history behind the egg the water spirit um because there is a supernatural element among all this as well, which makes things quite interesting. It does. Um, I like you look. Of course, I'm someone that loves hearing, you know, the storytelling of telling the history of things. Because this series does that a lot. So you're going to be hearing a lot about the history of the Yogo people, the history of this water spirit. Because there's always the different kinds of storytelling, right? And it can either make or break a story. And I think there's there's different elements of storytelling going on here. I'm not an expert, okay? Just for, for the record here, okay? The type of storytelling I liked and got out of this was, you know, the info dumps. You know where, you know, like, there's info dump storytelling, where we're, you know, we're going to get, we're just about to get a shit ton of history or backstory, you know, thrown upon us. But I didn't mind that with this series. 
especially like the long explanations regarding between the parallel spirit world of the Saigu and then Nayugu. Um, see, that's just interesting. You know, that's, that's in, I believe that's storytelling with intention and it just helps the flow of things carry on. It does, you know, keeps you captivated. And I was. So that kind of info dump storytelling worked, I think, worked really well for Mori Bito. It did. So, so right off the bat, if you love stories and a, a show with lots of character drive, depth, then you're already going to like this series. But of course, there's another million reasons to love this series. There is. Um, first, let's go into, I guess, our characters. Um, I'm going to get the first bright spark out of the way, which is Balsa. Um, anyone who likes a good old strong female lead, my God, Balsa really hits every marker. And I th- what made me love her character even more was the English dub. I watched this in English dub. Now for an older work in 2007, um, this is a this was a goddamn good solid English dub. My God, it really was. And Balsa's voice was perfect. Like everybody's voice was perfect for this uh, story. It really was. Uh, it just I got hooked onto every single character, even from Toya and Sayu, um, the two young kids that always help out um, Balsa because Balsa saved Toyu and Sayu when they were much younger, and that's how they became acquainted. And um, Tanda, who I just mentioned, but he's known as a shaman, like a doctor in training. Um, He has such a sweet, soothing voice that, you know, made me think, oh, you know, when you look at him, he's like, oh, he seems a sweet, nice guy. And that's what you get through the English dub. Um, My actual favorite voice, more than Balsa, is um, Toro Guy which is, who's a shaman doctor and uh, um, Tananda is uh, her apprentice. And um, Tura Guy, she is, she is an absolute who. She is just, oh, she is a woman. She is an older woman full of spunk, seriously. A knowledge and a character that makes you want to respect her. And Tura Guy is, she, um, I like when she has the conversations with the Nayuga peep, uh, spirits or the Nayug spirits, you know, trying to find out, you know, what is this thing inside of Chagam's, you know, inside of him using her powers. Um, I like those scenes. They're hilarious. Um, she's just hilarious. I just love her character. And the fun thing I learned about um, the English voice was that, I just couldn't believe it when I read it. That So it's by a lady named Barbara Goodson. And I had no idea. She, you know, you know, if you ever grew up with the Power Rangers and you see the, you know, for the American version and you see the opening title come in, <laughs> no Power Rangers are going to stop me. Um, oh, those Power Rangers. Yeah, she she plays bloody Rita. From the Power Rangers, the 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 original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I was like, oh my god, 
I wouldn't have I wouldn't have suspected that in a million years. Um and going on to find out, she has done many other works, especially in anime, which I had no clue about. She she's done a lot of voices for a lot of older series. Like for example, we got Mobile Suit Gundam, um 08S, um plays the young female name named Marie, the main female love lead. Um oh she's been in um Magical Ray Earth. Um God, loads. So that was a surprise. And it made sense when I found that out, listening to her voice, because you know, it's like ah you know, there's like a there's quite it's like a voice sounds like a cord is about to break. It kind of sounds like it's retching, pulling. And that's how Toro, obviously, Toro guy's voice sounds. And, in you know, when you when doing an older, like, an older, late, you know, old senior character, where it's like, Wah! it's like something's retching, it is. And she's just got that raspy retch to, like, you know, make Toro guy sound like she's wiser than, you know, her, wiser than she sounds. <laughs> but she is. Um, Toro guy is a full of lots and lots of knowledge so she ended she ended up being my favorite voice for this um whole english dub but let's go back to bolster because <laughs> we've talked about bolster yet as i said bolster oh like she's a character i can't find any fault in just nah she was just she was just perfect she is a, she is a female character that you know a strong female character that easily any woman is going to fall for. You know, like she just reminds me of the first time I, you know, fell in love with um, Sailor Jupiter, Makoto Kino, where my obsession with her, everything, everything Sailor Jupiter I've got to own started. I had those old reminiscing feelings when I, when I was, I first started watching Moribito. You see, I've also just, she has it all for a character. Like she doesn't ask for much. She is she's very considerate of the others around her. She never in throughout this whole journey taking on Chargum, trying to protect him. And obviously Tanda, a longtime friend of hers, she grew up with, and Sayu and Toya. They all get enwrapped in it and she I think she wishes they hadn't, but it made me realize that, yeah, she is very considerate of the others around her, never wants to cause them trouble. She's always thinking on her feet. And and obviously when you learn the backstory about her, um, that's where that independence comes in that she really never asked to kick in for. It just happens when things happen. And she's, I would say she's wise. She's um she's very thorough in how she thinks and approaches scenarios. Comes out with some real life things that just kind of hit you in the heart. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things a lot of the characters say. All the characters, side characters, minor characters that play a role in this. Um, they all say they all say something that relates to life, and you go, "Yep, that's right." I'm feeling this right now. Yep, I felt that yesterday. Um, I'm going to hear a lot of that, but yeah. Balsa, um, all around, she 
She just has that aura. She's got that aura of strength, not just from her fighting style with a spear um, that she learnt. Learnt, that's a hint, for her past backstory. But also for her, you know, strength, as in like, you know, what keeps her going. You know, this, you know, this mission that she's made for herself, that's where her strength comes from and from the others around her. And all these combined, you know, these qualities are what make when you say, when someone says, oh, she's a strong or they are a strong character. And yeah, it's about their, what drives them. And also, you know, they're kind and considerate for the others around them. That's what a strong character is to me. It's not always about, oh, getting through all the challenges and ordeals that I will face. It's not all about that to me for a strong for a character to be strong and I guess like for example we have Deku from My Heroes like why I consider him a strong character it is a little bit of what he's been through but also his like you know unwavering desire to be like All Might and you know that is that slowly builds up into a bigger strength over time and just how is Deku as a person because really you know what makes a strong person is about the person's intentions as well and uh Balsa is a woman with a lot of intention and she's just she's just captivating she really is just from all levels and I just yeah couldn't take my eyes off of her for a second I'm just like god damn it's been a long time since I felt this you know psyched about a female character like i'll be honest it's been a while since you know i've said wow this female lead is she's strong like she's so good she's at the level of like urza scarlet from fairy tale that kind of like empowering women you know aura here so yeah so if you want women in wimmer a woman empowerment character bolsters it so she's a big reason why this series works. Um, but a lot of things that work for this. Um, one of the other characters is Chagum, the prince. Now, I guess you would think right off the bat we're going to get this sissy prince who, you know, doesn't just wants to run away, go back to home to mommy. Um, no, that is, uh, that is far from the case. Obviously, it's very traumatic for... Chagum, I think, when he started out this journey, I think he was nine, ten, ten, must have been ten. Um, just thought he was going to kick and scream. Of course he was upset, but, um, and I think the English voice, English voice actor helped here with making Chagum sound beyond his years a bit and um, Chagum's approach towards anything. He has the typical, um, what do I call it? Like confronting, confrontingness of like, oh, this is what a, oh, this is what a commoner's life is like. And, um, he really goes through a change and, um, for, you know, for the circumstances that he's in, got this, you know, egg that's growing inside of him. And of course, why wouldn't any boy of that age be worried about that? But, um, Chargum has a very 
calming presence about him. He does. And he takes everything in his own stride. And even though I'm sure he missed home the whole time he was with Bolsa, he really does come to really become, yeah, attached to Bolsa. And I ended up really loving the bond that, uh, you know, Bolsa becomes attached to Chagam. The, the dynamic between those two was just infinite. It was, yeah, it was something, it was something very special that they shared together. And um, it was infinite as, as far as, as, that is as far as I was going to say it is. It was infinite. And Chagam was such an interesting prince-like character. He really was. This calming presence, how um all the knowledge that he'd soaked up from books and applied that to such thing as when Toya is showing him around like how to how to haggle, you know, like um how to get a bargain. Like they go to this sweet stall. This isn't really a spoiler, it's just a it's a guide to what involve is involved in this series. Um they go to this sweet stall and they try and haggle their the price down for these sweets and Toya is obviously you know being on you know being knowing the knowing the city and the people you know he knows his way around and he's just trying to give um Chagam some life like you know important essential life lessons of how things work and that coming for has just come from and it was it was a really good like interaction the whole thing of how Chagam takes on that you know, presentation of information from Toya and implements it for himself. And um, I love the info dumps that Chargam gives, all these interesting facts he, he tells. Some people go, what? And then some people are like, oh, that could really work. So Chargam's way of things uh, eventually made it easier for him to integrate into this new life, into this well into this integrate into the circumstances that he was involved in and um he grows very he actually grows very accustomed to the way things end up becoming with balsa and um it even humbles his character down even more so we don't really start out with a real bratty bratty prince because he has a very not imperial look on life but he has, you know, he has a very humbling, grounding look on life. And being with Balsa just really amplified that to me, it did. And it was like preparing him for what was to come, it was. So Chagam was a very interesting Prince-like character. I really, really enjoyed his character, I did. Because um, he built up this really special bond with Balsa and... um. And all of that in combination, <laughs> I'm not going to say anymore because I feel like I want to tear up. But yeah, um, all in all, character-wise, depth is just, it's fantastic. It really is. Um, and I could go on about all the other characters, but they all fit. They like even the English dub. Uh, everything was just spot on with all these characters and what they brought to the story. Really was. Even the supernatural element. Uh, I quite enjoyed that. Um, I did. It didn't totally confuse me. Some of the info dump at times 
kind of was a bit much. But when I say a bit much, I just got a bit confused. So just make sure, like, in those scenes, you're really paying attention. (laughs) Really pay attention. But yeah, there was not one character that I felt like, oh, it's going to make, it's made this part of the story flop, blah, blah, blah. Nah. Everything was spot on. It was. So far, Moribito does great at being a story of stories and uh, a very character-driven story with depth alongside accompanying with a supernatural element to the story, which works extremely well for it. Keeps things engaging. Because even though like this is classed as a samurai series, also there's not... They, all the the action the action scenes that are contained in this which are very small um they still they're still really good very entertaining I love watching balsa fight oh my god I mean I guess we're saying here yes we love seeing a woman kick ass <laughs> really but any of the fighting scenes were pretty good but obviously that was it 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 had a good combination along with the storytelling. It was, there wasn't too much and there wasn't too little. It was just about right the action element of things. So yeah, that that's not a let, the action doesn't become a letdown. It doesn't become a flop, which was good to see. Oh, let's see. Now talking music element and animation. All well, this being 2007, like I don't know, like, I don't really know what to say about the <laughs> animation. It was, it was absolutely fine, really. Um, even if, say, it was, like, a work before, like, one of my favourites, Gargantia, um, of the Verdius Planet, which came out in 2013. Obviously, the, there's a distinct difference between the animation levels there between that time. Um, I think Moribito is a well-animated series, and it still holds up really well. When I was watching it on... Um, high dive in hd um it still came up really well and like especially particularly i love the landscape scenes in this series seeing of the himalayan like um china king um china mountains and from like also like you know we got a feudal japan era here in the in this like main city and towns um it all had a really good feel and it was all pretty it was pretty and yeah it was it was well animated i'm not calling it astounding i'm not but it still holds up really well and i guess that's all i gotta say about the animation because really what else stands out a lot is music um gorgeous feudal japan Esque music. It reminded me a lot of Inuyasha um, feel of music, like the the feudal feudal Japan type music. To me, you know, it has a fluent feel, a fluent fl- feel. Sorry, blah, blah, messed up on my words. Like I find in a lot of shows, like that feudal Japan setting. A main, a main instrument to me that um, you can hear a lot is like a recorder. If you know in school, you know, that was one of the first instruments that you'll be learning, a recorder. And <laughs> um, there's a lot of that. And obviously there's um, 
a lot of old, you know, Japanese um, music um, instrumentals or instruments used in these series. You can hear a lot of flute and violins. These are just these are just pure, my own pure observations I've made over the years of watching a lot of like feudal Japan based anime. Read also stories that I've read as well. It's got to have a feel of calm, a feel of um, with intention. Calm and intention is what I find This the, that the music has to create with this type of setting. And it was there in Moribito. It was, every, the music was fluid. It came in, at, everything was on cue. Everything came in at the right time. Especially when we go to scenes of the landscape overlooking the fields of wheat and corn. Um, I'm sounding very philosophical here. Um, <laughs> um, it's very, it's, it's, it's calming for the soul. It is. And it's like, you know, de-stresses you and you find, you know, a sense of peace and that's what the music from Moribito really achieves. And of course, in those real riveting moments, the music really picks up in the, you know, big dramatic sequences as with anything. But it's special in the, I find in the feudal Japan based setting kind of stories, um, like in Moribito. It's very it's very emotional. There's quite a few emotional scenes in this series, and this this uh, this anime has made me you know laugh, smile, and cry. Eventually, cry. We eventually got to the eventually cry bit. We did, but um, I've listened to the entire soundtrack of Balsa, um, and Mori. Sorry, Moribito, and yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's um it sounded exactly how I thought it was going to sound, especially watching the series. But after listening to the, you know, um, the whole soundtrack, um, it's how I thought it should sound. And yeah, it's beautiful. I find these types of shows with um feudal yeah as I keep saying feudal Japan settings, um, the music's got to be powerful, um, beautiful, and calm with intention that's how i interpret it anyway with this type of show and music anyway um i'm sure other people have got other thoughts but that's just though these are my obviously my own personal thoughts so music is a massive asset to moribito it's um it's it's the back support of everything else it is and brings it all together it does so that's the other thing now, I will just go back to where I said that the emperor, I mentioned, you know, we're talking about the story I was, that the emperor, you know, set, you know, Chagum to his death practically. But that emperor, all I'll say is, like, just how it is in the, their customs in that time, or you see in those types of stories, really knows how to make you go, you're just a, you're just a dick. You're just a massive, massive jerk. <laughs> More than a jerk, probably, but 
just like it's so infuriating and I just remember in that moment feeling infuriated I felt infuriated over that point of the story many times (laughs) many times that's all I'll say on that and I guess the last thing that I want to say about Rubito is that um there's a lot of themes that it explores in this uh, anime a lot about that are very there's a lot of things that are very relatable to our society um you know i know anime's got all its themes and that but there's there's a lot of themes compiled together that make for this you know to really you know be perfect for young young audiences like young adults and adults as well I know all these themes, how they just been encompassed together. This really work to do with like um, the working world, gender, um, protecting, protecting a child. Like, just for example, yeah, there's just a lot of these themes entwined together, and also like, you know, the the loyalty um, behind promises. Um, you know, we've got about politics and power, and also we've got the spiritual side of things, and we have about um the earth and creatures. Um, all these beautiful themes together. Just how Moribito puts that all in a twenty-six episode, or like just it, just the story. It's it really is something really something to respect about it is I really do I built up this you know real respect for this series and how I noticed all these themes coming together and it just evolved the story the whole thing and it's really beautiful you know of course anime has a beautiful way of telling things about life and there are a lot of things it told especially even about love um yeah that was, I think that's the, I think that's the most special thing about Moribito, really. All these themes that I picked up on and just, just described. Um, I think how it highlighted all of those just was really special. And I think, I guess, obviously there was a scene that finally made me cry, as I said, but I think in the end that made me cry even more. And um, everything from beginning to end was very fitting for this story of how it was handled as well, I'll also mention. There was a lot of care that went into this series. There wasn't just, um, you know, this was made for money type of anime. You can really, you can tell when you've watched this whole thing. And when you watch the interview that High Dive did with Kenji, how much this is actually one of his favourite works, even though he never dipped into this side of... um, anime before like he's always been in the science science fiction world about you know writing story you know like ghost in a shell because you know there was a those kind of elements with like ghost in a shell you know he's writing a lot of stuff about you know ais and um he like this this work really challenged him when he was talking about it, saying that this work did challenge him 
in the essence of we had to really think about um thinking about what these characters are going to do for themselves because obviously there's a lot of computer programming that goes into sci-fi type stories you know there's ai robots all that and there's not a lot of thinking that he said he had to do with some of his characters and or the like the backstory kind of thing with ghost in a shell and Murray Beto challenged him. He had to really think about the dynamic between the characters. There's no computer to say, oh, computer will do this. It's like he had to think about how is this scene going to work with this character? What the, What is the character really thinking? So, yeah, I really enjoyed hearing that from his side of things I did about, you know, that this work was very important to him and you can really tell you can. Um by the way, finishing on a good note, um, there is an episode, I believe it's episode 8, episode 11, I think called The Swordsmith. It's a very info dump kind of episode, but it's a very important one that sets, that changes the tone of the show. And you should really pay attention to that if you decide to watch this show, which I think you strongly should, obviously. Um, and I'll be saying at the end of this <laughs> as well. But yeah, that episode was made with intention. And yeah, changes the tone and dynamic of everything in the direction of Mobito. It's definitely one of my favorite episodes, that is. So, so also, and on a other note... <laughs> Um, I looked on Annie List and this show, I mean, like I only looked on Annie List. I didn't look on any other one, like, um, my anime list and all the other ones that exist out there where you track anime. It was interesting, interesting to see that, um, the show that, you know, where it's, it shows, you know, where people have planned to watch it, completed, pause, current, uh, there was no dropped, nobody according to that that website anyway no one's dropped that show there's nothing i was like mm, i think that says something i thought <laughs> so i don't i have not seen no dropped anime on listed on that site ever that's the first one moribito is the first one i've seen where only the others appear except dropped so i don't know I take that as a sign. I think that says something. I really do. So. So there's a lot of reasons you should check out Mori Bito. We have a strong female lead. The series is a storyteller of stories. Characters with depth. Fantastic all-round dub. Riveting music with intention. Lots of themes explored. Um, yeah, that's just many. That's <laughs> just many reasons I've outlined. But yeah, there is, there's, this is definitely a series you can, you know, just kick back to in your own time. Take it in. You can, you can binge it. You can take it in or take it in in your own stride. It's, uh, it's both really. You can binge, binge worthy, and you can take your time, which is a pretty good thing. But anyway, so in terms of Moribito, where can you watch it right now? You can only watch it on High Dive, or you feel, 
Or if you want to track it down and purchase it, you can. It's currently on my Amazon list. And I don't, for me to say, would I buy it? I'm still deciding that. Because, yeah, I probably would rewatch this series. I would. Probably. It's, it is more than rewatchable. My God, it is. Um, but, yeah, I'm still, I'm still kind of debating over it. But it's like, of all the talk I've said about the series, what is there to debate about? Um, I don't know. I just haven't made a decision yet. But yeah, so you guys should get onto High Dive right now after you finish listening to this and go start Moribito. You won't regret it. Most definitely not because I I was surprised at how much I ended up loving this series. Because this is like, I lo- enjoy these stories, these types of stories like Moribito, but I never pull myself in to watch like, you know, a lot of anime series about them. And this is definitely changing my mind. You need to. Just like I'm having my mind changed about Isekai anime. Or getting back into that more. So So yeah. If you do complete Moribito and you feel that hole, which I'm currently feeling at the moment, it's like, hmm, what can I fill my time with now? Um there is definitely the Twelve Kingdoms. Uh, I've only watched half of that series, but I can at least still say you should watch it because that's pretty good. Um, I, do, I am comp- trying to complete the rest of it. The moment. And The Legend of Arslan. Uh, we've got a male lead. Strong male lead in there. Not, not I guess, not on Balsa's level because that's a different level. But I do like Arslan. He's, he's a very good male lead. Um, yes, obviously, Yona of the Dawn would be another one. You know, strong male, female lead. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few I can recommend, but there's there's three for you. Somewhere to start. But yes, I hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode. I really enjoyed finally talking about Moribito, Guardian of the Spirit. And um, yeah, I'm just at the moment, I'm having trouble deciding what um, anime to watch next after... Moribito. I am good. I'm trying to. Um, honestly, I think it's going to be completing the Twelve Kingdoms. Now that will be, that will be an interesting podcast to talk about. Eventually, it will. That's even got way more things to for me to research about than this. <laughs> um. But anyway, as for what I'm gonna watch next time, I got no idea at this point. As usual, I think I have a fair idea, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, next episode might not come out until uh, around mid-July. It'll be mid-July. Well, um, got live stuff happening. But yeah, but still, there'll still be an episode there, Will. So until next time, where we take a pause for whatever series I'm watching, whenever I know what it is. I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>